Hello everybody and welcome into episode number 103 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We're reading Matthew chapter 7 today and our focus is on hypocrisy and what I believe is the scariest verse in the entire Bible. So, welcome aboard. Thanks for joining us. This is a roughly 10-minute-a-day daily Bible show where we talk about one chapter of the Bible and consider its truths. Thanks for listening. Our goal is to increase Bible reading on a regular basis among all of us. I want to invite you to check out our website, Bible2021.com, and as often as you can, remind people of the show, share it with them, and ask them to give it a listen. Today, our focus is on hypocrisy. This is a word that is very frequently used, but maybe not quite as frequently understood. So what is hypocrisy? What does it mean to be a hypocrite? If you know me, you know I love a good word study, but don't despair too much. This one will be quick. The Greek word for hypocrisy is hypocrites, and it's obviously where we get our English word. It comes from a verb that means to feign, that's F-E-I-G-N, or impersonate, or pretend. In the noun form, the Greek word is used for actors huh, or pretenders. A hypocrite is therefore not what they seem. Now, Jesus in particular was extremely concerned about hypocrisy, and he taught hard against it a lot. The word in its various forms is mentioned about 27 times in the Bible, And of those mentions, Jesus is the one speaking and condemning hypocrisy 21 of those times. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus essentially defines for us what a hypocrite is in the first few verses of Matthew 7. Let's pick up in verse 3. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eyes? asks Jesus. How can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye, and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye? Hypocrite! First take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Well, it is hypocrisy then for us to point out faults and sins in other people when we are guilty of those same kinds of faults and sins. Let me repeat my earlier statement because I think we should emphasize it. Jesus condemns hypocrisy in the strongest possible terms and calls Christians to run from it. Unfortunately, Christians in America and many other countries around the world have a reputation of being hypocrites, and I must say that while some of that criticism is unfair, not all of it is. The church, we, can indeed be guilty of gross hypocrisy from time to time. It is particularly confusing and repelling for non-believers to see, for instance, Christians speak out sins of, uh, speak out against sins of various kinds and then either commit those sins themselves or strongly support causes and political candidates who are paragons of sin. For instance, if the church calls people to flee from sexual immorality and yet lionizes people who boast about committing sexual immorality, then this is hypocrisy, and it's going to drive people away from the truth rather than draw them towards it. Now, Spurgeon gives us an excellent old-school illustration of hypocrisy in his anecdote of visiting the cheese shop and discovering that the cheese in the window is actually a metallic model. 
Spurgeon says, In the pursuit of pastoral duty, I stood a little while ago in a cheesemaker shop, and being in a fidgety humor and having a walking stick in my hand, I did what most Englishmen are sure to do. I was not content with seeing, but I needed touch as well. My stick then came gently upon a fine cheese in the window, and to my surprise, a most metallic sound emanated from it. The sound was rather hollow, or one might have surmised that all the taste holes had been filled up with change, and thus the cheese had been greatly enriched, and the merchant had been his own banker. There was, however, a sort of pottery-like jingle in the sound, like the ring of a huge bread or milk pan, such as our country friends use so abundantly, and I came to the very correct conclusion that I had found a very well-got-up hypocrite in the shop window. This homely illustration is simply introduced because we find people like this in our churches, looking extremely like what they should be, yet having no substance in them, so that if accidentally one happens to tap somewhere or other on them with a sudden temptation or a stern duty, the pottery gives forth its own ring, and the pretender is esteemed no longer. Hmm. So, there's lots of Christians out there, well, there's lots of people out there masquerading as Christians in the same way that Spurgeon's metallic pottery masqueraded as a cheese wheel. Let's read our passage then and hear our Lord's warnings against hypocrisy and judgment, and also keep an ear open for the most terrifying verse in the Bible. This is Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. Do not judge so that you won't be judged, for you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others, and you will be measured by the same measure you use. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye? And look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. Hypocrite! First take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Don't give what is holy to dogs, or toss your pearls before pigs, or they will trample them under their feet. Turn and tear you to pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, Whatever you want others to do for you, do also the same for them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. Be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. You will recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, so you will recognize them by their fruit. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Drive out demons in your name and do many miracles in your name. Then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. 
Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the waters rose, and the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching because he was teaching them like one who had authority and not like their scribes. So did you hear the scary verse? And as I think about it, I actually think scary is too light and fluffy word for what we're talking about here. Terrifying is a far better description of Matthew 7.23. Then I will announce to them, says Jesus, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. That's, wow. Jesus tells us in Matthew 7 that the way that leads to destruction is broad. And most people follow that wide and broad and easy road that leads to destruction. The way to salvation is narrow and few people follow that road. We live in a country where millions claim Christianity, but so many do not live it. They speak and identify as if they are followers of Jesus, after, as if they are protected by a helmet of salvation, but they don't live that way. They're Christians in name only. Friends, it's possible to go through all the motions to be an actor, a hypocrite, to know Jesus as Lord, to do works in his name, but to never know him and be known by him. I think Jesus here gives us the most sobering and terrifying warning in the Bible, and Paul kind of gives us a similar one in 2 Thessalonians 1, 8-9 when he says, This will take place at the revelation of the Lord Jesus from heaven with his powerful angels, taking vengeance with flaming fire on those who don't know God and on those who don't obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction from the Lord's presence and from his glorious strength. So how do we respond to Jesus' warning here in Matthew 7? Well, we seek to know him and obey the good news of Jesus. We realize that salvation is by faith through grace, not by works. Friends, don't pretend, but flee to Christ as your shelter, your Lord and Savior. Amen. Well, let's close with our Bible verse for the month of April, James 4, 6. But he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Amen to that. Well, my friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Good day and Godspeed.